I'm not a guy that thinks a number one receiver is like the priority for the Ravens. Oh, all right, here we go. They use their tight ends all the time. Sure, would it be nice to have a big guy like Galladay or Allen Robinson for some contested catches down the field? Yeah, but like that's kind of how they use Mark Andrews. Not all teams is it as easy as it is in Baltimore to be an offensive lineman. I mean, you run the ball like 60% of the time. They don't have that much straight drop back. Straight drop back, as you saw from the Chiefs in Super Bowl Sunday, that is hard. That is the ideal scheme for an O-lineman to be in, is what the Ravens do. But I've said this for a while, top to bottom, Ravens are a top two or three organization in the NFL. I've always said to my wife, the Ravens are one of the few teams that if they called, I would really, really listen just because of the respect I have for how they go about their business in every facet of the operation. They are fantastic. Welcome into the lounge. We have a great guest coming today, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Uh, and and many other places. Ross is all over the place, and he's awesome. So re- really excited about that. I'm coming in. I'm kind of uh, almost like a pinch hitter today because I'm technically on vacation this week. Yeah, I'll give like, you credit. I you know, I, 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 last week, go ahead, I, go ahead. If you li- I didn't know if you if you listened to the podcast last week. I, I slanted your name. I didn't have great things to say. Well, of course. You know, you're off. Cliff steps in. Cliff does a great job. And I was Cliff just basically Todd. saying, you know, you know, me and Cliff, we're grinding, we're keeping the lights on. And you were enjoying vacation, which now you come take a, you have a vacation day, you come back and you get a great guest. So I will give you credit where credit's due. You got the great guest. You you came in from a day of vacation, recorded the podcast. Right. You deserve some applause today. I'll give it to you. I I appreciate it, sir. I appreciate it. You know, got to step up and carry my weight here every once in a while. And I'll add this, Garrett. Okay? <laughs> A stay, Don't get too a carried away here. Home, Don't get too carried a stay, away. A stay-at-home COVID vacation with two young ones under the age of five is not a vacation, my sir, my friend. Okay? Wait. That is not a vacation. This, you're, you're... this right now, recording the podcast, is the vacation. <laughs> okay? Yeah, this, is, this has more to... You are doing yourself a favor by working rather than enjoying the exactly. vacation that you're technically supposed to be on. So Exactly. I was like, hey, babe, I'm sorry. I have to record the podcast. I, I That's can't fair. Podcast. Two weeks in a row? Can't do that. <laughs> We're doing it daily now. We're doing it daily. <laughs> doing it daily. Anyway, what I what I miss? You didn't miss too much. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things that have been going on over the course of the last few days, uh, but we don't want to waste any more time. Let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Ross Tucker. Ravens fans, if you've been reading the scouting reports, you know that Ram Trucks are Motor Trend's back-to-back truck of the year. Ram 1500 is a top pick with an available Hemi V8 engine, e-torque hybrid technology, and a 12-inch touchscreen. Plus, it offers a truckload of available features. It's the same with the hard-working Ram 3500 Heavy Duty. For generous cash allowances and great lease offers, go to Ram.com and take advantage of all the great deals happening right now on a wide selection of Ram trucks. We're thrilled to have Ross Tucker on from the Ross Tucker podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross, we got to start here because, you know, this whole exchange between you and I started on Twitter when you had Greg Cosell on your podcast, on the Ross Tucker podcast. And Greg's, Greg said, now, hey, 
I'm I'm a fan of the hot take, right? We're all we're all in the media business. I love me a good hot take. But Greg said that the Ravens do not want to throw the football unless they absolutely have to. And I took exception to that comment. <laughs> and I hey, tweeted Ryan, as much. I, I, I'm glad you did. We got a lot more impressions. We got a lot more people to watch that clip. <laughs> exactly. It, it was a uh, it was a it was a Ravens centric clip, and man, a lot of Ravens fans got frustrated or angry and chimed in on that. I, it's funny <laughs> because everything Greg does, and Greg joins me every Thursday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Everything he does is based on watching the video, right? And yeah, so yeah. that was his opinion. I, I I thought he went too strong there because mm-hmm. you can't say that they only throw the ball when they absolutely have to because my criticism when I called the Titans game a year ago in the playoffs was I thought they abandoned the run too early. I thought they threw it too much. <laughs> and I think right. you can argue right. that other games, even against Buffalo, I thought they threw the ball more than I would have liked to in the AFC divisional round. So I don't agree with right. Greg there. I think he loves the passing game. Okay. He loves yeah. <laughs> watching teams throw the ball. So in his mind, they are a very, very run heavy team that only sprinkles in, I think, a play action pass on first down every so once in a while and third down. I thought he took it too far. Um, they are the most run-heavy team in the NFL. They don't apologize for it. They don't need to apologize for it. I do think that there's a healthy debate to be had as to whether or not they can win a Super Bowl with A, right. their style, and B, with with Lamar as their quarterback as currently constituted. The only reason why I say that is you know, to win four playoff games in a row, and you're pretty much going to have to do that, right? Unless you're the one team that gets right. a bye. You have to win four playoff games in a row. You're playing good teams. They're going to be able to slow down the rushing attack. You're going to be going against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or whoever. He's going to have to make some, some big-time throws. And I think it's fair to wonder whether or not he can do that. Now, listen – if he doesn't do the pick six to Taron Johnson and he throws the, you know, the play before he throws the ball to Hollywood Brown, they score a touchdown, they tie. They still probably, win. they might right. win that game. Right. So, and we might right. not be talking right. about it like this, but the point is he didn't right? Like he didn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's a good question and it sure as heck seems like the Ravens are intent on answering that. Although I don't know if we ever will, because, Hopefully Lamar keeps getting better throwing it. So then next year, if, if they if they do win the Super Bowl, it's not you can't say, well, we told you they could. Well, maybe if Lamar, maybe it's because Lamar got better, just like Josh Allen yeah. got so much better in his third year as a starter. Yeah. I kind of want to have that debate. Can we can we have that debate just like really quickly? Because I think like you said, Ross, I think that's a really good debate. And and I think there there's valid to both sides of that argument. Like you know, I look, Garrett and I were just talking about this before we started. And you, you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks and how they won in the Super Bowl, right? They're obviously the defense was lights out. I mean, the Chiefs couldn't block them. The defense won them that game primarily. But offensively for Tampa Bay, 
I mean, it was a very balanced attack. I mean, how many like great throws did Tom Brady make? I don't know. I could count them on one hand. And that's not taking anything away from him. He matches the game. He does what Tom Brady does, right? Like he makes great decisions 98% of the time. He gets the ball out of his hands. He hits the open receiver. But they put him in good, manageable situations throughout the game with Leonard Fournette in their run game, right? And I think to me, when I watched that, like it wasn't their big time wide receivers, Mike Evans and you know, Godwin and, and Antonio Brown, who made huge plays. Like, all these Ravens fans want these number one wide receivers. That wasn't what won the Bucks the game. It was their run game put them in good situational football, and they won. Like, they were efficient. They were balanced. They kept the Chiefs on their heels, and that's what won them the game. So, I, I guess that that's a long way of saying, like, I think the Ravens can win with a run-heavy attack. I think they can win the Super Bowl with that. But I agree with the point that, you have to be more balanced and, and, and have better efficiency than the Ravens have shown with their passing attack. That's my take. Yeah, so I, I, to piggyback off that, I would say I think you can run. I think you can win with a run-centric attack. I yeah. think they have to be more efficient when they do throw the ball. Like in the first half yeah. of that game, Ryan, Tom Brady was 16-20. of 20, It's 80% right. and, and threw for three touchdown passes. I don't really right. envision – Lamar Jackson doing that. And there were several throws in the Bills playoff game that I thought were the difference in the game. Obviously, the pick six most notably, but the play before, the play before nobody was covering Hollywood Brown. And it's like he couldn't really step into the throw the way he wanted to, and he didn't put it on him. And there were a couple other times in that game where there were open receivers And I guess I, you know, I guess I feel like Lamar misses too many of the layups to be a efficient enough passer if it's a run-based team. In other words, he makes Mm -hmm. some some big-time throws that, like, wow, like really impressive, down the field, accurate, tight window. That's not the issue. Like, the issue isn't, like, he right. can't make the big time throws. It's it's the, not that he doesn't have the arm talent to do it. No, and he makes and he makes some unbelievably accurate downfield throws. It's actually right. the issue to me is the consistency on the short intermediate layups that a lot of these guys are like 90% like they don't mm-hmm. ever miss those, right? Like Breeze and these guys they don't miss those. They don't miss the layups. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Lamar makes some three-pointers, but he still misses layups. (laughs) I think it's hard to win four playoff games against the teams you're going to be going against if you're missing layups still. Yeah, the way I look at it is as I look at it and I just see uh, with the way that the Ravens play, where they're at a disadvantage is that they don't have a huge margin for error in these games, and and we have seen that in the playoffs that they do fall behind. It's tough to come back. I mean – the Bills game is a, is a good example. Uh, the game was over after the Ravens' first drive of the the second half, basically. Now that drive, you know, the two drives basically well, took the entire Lamar third out of the game, and then it was a pick six. Uh, but you get one drive in the second half, and the game is, is basically over. Um, and so you just don't have a huge margin of error to come back for that because when you do have to go into a pass-heavy situation, they're just not built for that, especially that night in Buffalo, bad weather. I agree, Ross. I think that there's a lot of those uh the ten yard out is 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 a pass that's not really a, a big part of the Ravens, you know, game plan and, and 
so that to me is something they need to to add to the equation. I still think though, as you look at it, uh, like as I, going into next season, I look at the AFC and I think that the Ravens are right there in that mix once again with Kansas City and Buffalo, in Cleveland as you know the top four teams. Once again, maybe someone else gets in there, whoever. But I look at it like I think the Ravens are once again right there going to be a top four, if not better, team in the AFC. Do you see it that way also? Correct. Now, listen, there's a lot to happen between now and then. You know, I'm seeing this Orlando Brown stuff. Uh, I saw Matthew Judon's comments. You know, there's a lot of roster tinkering that needs to go on. And let's not forget, their defense was awesome against the Bills that night. I mean, awesome that night. But you are right, Garrett. Like, after the pick six and 17 to three, it was hard to imagine the Ravens coming back to win that game. They're just, their style is, it's hard to picture them coming back. And they're not, it's hard in four playoff games to get a lead in all those games. And to be, now they did come back from 10 nothing against the Titans. We know that, but the, the teams that you're going to play in those situations, uh, it makes it difficult. But yeah, I think they'll be right there in the mix. I actually really like Cleveland next year. Cleveland doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Like, I think Baker Mayfield will be better in year two in Stefanski's system. They have the best O-line in football. Their two running backs are studs. They'll get Odell Beckham Jr. back if they want him. Maybe they'll move on from him. They need to get much better at the second and third levels of the defense. But, you know, they didn't have Greedy Williams this year. They didn't have Grant Delpit this year. Their second-round picks from the last two years Mm -hmm. from LSU, they'll get both those guys in the secondary. I really like the Cleveland Browns next year. But yes, I expect the Ravens to be in the mix. I don't, I'm not a guy that thinks a number one receiver is like the priority for the Ravens. I got, I don't have a huge problem. Yeah. I don't have a huge problem with their receiving core. They, they use three tight ends, like all the time. They use their tight ends all the time. Um, they have the deep threat in Hollywood Brown. I think he's coming into his own and being a number one. I'm sure they'll get another receiver, but I think Hollywood Brown and uh, you'd like to see Boykin be a little bit more consistent. We'll see what he does in year three. You've got Duvarne, uh, Devin Duvernay in the slot. I just don't think it's that. I don't think that's as much of a priority as other people are suggesting it is. You know, it sounds bad, but they, they really need Lamar to get more consistent making the layups. Like, I, I don't I don't know how else to say it any differently, and I don't know that getting, um, you know, Allen Robinson is going to make Lamar better in making the layups. I mean, sure, would it be nice to have a big guy like Galladay or Allen Robinson for some contested catches down the field? Yeah, but, like, that's kind of how they use Mark Andrews. Like, that, that's kind of who Mark Andrews already is for them mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're a former offensive lineman, so, you know, bad snaps, offensive line play. You know, you talk about that missed throw to Hollywood when he was wide open in the end zone. Really, that was just an uh, Olay block on the <laughs> offensive line for the Ravens. Do you think that offensive line, especially, I mean, let's look at the Super Bowl. How much is it won a game one in the trenches after watching that game? Do you think the offensive line should be the Ravens' priority? Well, so that's interesting because I kind of love the way they've built the line. 
you know, you look mm-hmm. at them, third-round pick, Orlando Brown, sixth-round pick, Bozeman, Macari's a free agent, fourth-round pick, Ben Powers, uh, Phillips is a third-round pick. I mean, they are using those comp picks, boy. I mean, <laughs> they, it, I mean it's the comp and pick those line. guys, comp pick university. And listen, they are um, – those guys are all really inexpensive. Like it enables them to have so many other guys they have on defense and Calais Campbell and these guys, like I kind of like the way they built their O-line. Could they get better as pass protectors? Yeah, but those guys are expensive and they don't throw it that much. Like I just, you don't need to pay a ton. And I know, I think it was even DaCosta came out and said they need to get better up front. I guess um, I just feel like they've got two really good tackles. Uh, I'm a little confused on the Orlando Brown thing. I I don't know if he just wants to be in a left-handed stance or he just wants the money that left tackles make because good teams know that you got to pay the right tackle a lot. I would just tell Orlando Brown, a little bit careful what you wish for because not all teams – is it as easy as it is in Baltimore to be an offensive lineman? I mean, you run the ball like 60% of the time, 30% of the run, uh, the passes are play action or first down. Like they don't have that much straight drop back, straight drop back. As you saw from the chiefs in super bowl Sunday, that is hard. <laughs> that is really, really hard. And so if Orlando Brown goes somewhere where they throw the ball, at them, I know he's a good pass blocker, but that's a different deal. Let's put it this way. I would take a little bit less to play for the Ravens. And I never say I would take less <laughs> at all, but that is the ideal <laughs> O-line. That's the ideal scheme for an O-lineman to be in is what the Ravens do. So um, I don't think it needs to be as big of a deal as they're making it out to be. I'd like to think now that they got a lot of experience, the Powers and Phillips and Bozeman and those guys would all be even better. I don't understand the center thing. I, I don't understand those bad snaps and to have it not be one guy, but both guys bizarre to me. I think I had one bad snap, you know, every time I played center, it was actually um, the guy, the nose guard jumped right before I was about to snap it. Like he timed it up perfectly. So what happens is we're playing the jets. Oh, four at the Meadowlands. <laughs> I was starting at center. What happens is, he jumped, uh, he jumped the count because it was silent count. So your body's natural reaction when that guy moves is to drop your butt because he's about to try to run your you-know-what over. <laughs> so I started to drop my butt as I was snapping it, and I hit my buttocks in the ball, <laughs> in, in, with the ball, and uh, Bledsoe had to come up, <laughs> run up, and jump on it real quick. So I hit my butt with the ball with a shotgun snap. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like that's the most embarrassing bad snap. <laughs> uh, it was bad. It, I, I came over and the D coordinator was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that was a bad <laughs> feeling. But it was just because it was silent count. And when I raised my head, he knew I was about to snap it. So he jumped it. And my, you know, your natural body reaction is to drop your butt. The snap itself was good. It was my butt that was the problem. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, I, I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand what happened with those guys this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it, it is the center thing is interesting. I, I've said and I've said this to Ryan. I think it would be great. And I don't know who this is. 
with the salary cap this year, I expect guys to be on the market who you don't expect to be on the market. And if the Ravens can get somebody who people in Baltimore point to have had for a long time is Matt Burke. You know, if you go back to 20, uh, 2012, the Super Bowl team, Matt Burke came in and, and really kind of solidified that spot. If you could get a guy like that, um, a veteran center, clean up snap issues and, and kind of be an anchor in the middle of the line, I would love that. Um, as you look at the well, – uh, going back to the AFC, just from a big-picture standpoint, I think going into the Super Bowl, Ross, there was a feeling that – that the Chiefs had, all, had looked like they were setting the table to be a team that's in the Super Bowl for the next decade. You know, they're the 90s Bulls. Uh, I think that a lot of te- people have made that comparison. You know, they, they, they finally look human in that game against Tampa Bay. They lose that. Um, and I think that was a reminder of, of kind of any given Sunday and that they, they can be beaten. Do you look at them as as far and away the best team in the AFC? Do you look at it as a little bit more even compared to the group of teams that we were talking about a little bit earlier? I think they're the best team. I think that they have the best Super Bowl odds and those type of things for a reason. Um, I think that they're, to use your point, to your the thing you said earlier, Garrett, they have a very large margin for error. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and their speed give them a very large margin for error. I think they're the best team, but the Bucks showed they are beatable. I mean, the Browns almost beat them. Now, now Mahomes had to get hurt for that to happen. Uh, I think they're going to be the favorite in the AFC. I would say as long as they have Mahomes – but when Kelsey and Tyree Kill are no longer elite, elite players, those guys are going to be tough to replace. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why, like, the Brady thing is so impressive, right? Why nobody will ever touch Brady is because he really did it in New England with two totally different groups of teams. He did it with, like, Teddy Bruschi and Vrabel and Troy Brown for three. And then, like, 12 years later, 10 years later, he did it with Gronk <laughs> and, uh, you know, Gerard Mayo and Stefan Gilmore, whatever, and those guys. It's really, really hard to do. So Mahomes, I think he'll probably win another Super Bowl uh, over the next three or four years with Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, maybe next two or three years. But then when those guys are gone, can the Chiefs replace them with guys that give them that decided edge so that Mahomes can go on a second stint sort of like Brady did. That's that's mm-hmm. the really difficult part. So, so this offseason is the first year that the Ravens can can negotiate with Lamar Jackson in terms of a long-term contract. And that's the, the standard has been set, obviously, last year with Mahomes. Do you think that they work that out? How would you approach that? I think they will work it out. Um, and they will give him a new contract. I would try to not to. Mm-hmm. I, I would try to wait a year. You have the fifth year option. If you wait a year, the price tag might go up. But I'd kind of like to number one see how much Lamar improves with the layups, and also see if he can stay healthy again. I think that there's a belief, right or wrong. Like, let's put it this way, okay? I don't think Mahomes can do what he does past 40 like Brady's doing it at 43. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say if Aaron Rodgers was this good at 37 that I think 
Mahomes can still probably do it at 37. I think there are some people that believe Lamar won't be able to do what he's doing past like 30. And that because of the number of runs he has, his timeline is closer to that of a running back than of a Brady or a Breeze. But even this next Ravens contract will only take him through 30, 31, 30, whatever it is, 30. And I think that's fine. I, I, I think he'll be fine through that. So they've committed to it. I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth right now, <laughs> but they might as well do it with the second contract before it gets more expensive because they're going to win double-digit games again. They're going to win a playoff game again. I mean, I, I think they're going to be in the mix. I think they're very, very good. I think maybe the third contract is what they need to look at. And I do think it'll be interesting to see, like, he's going to want the 40 to $45 million in new money per year that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are getting. I don't blame him, but I think Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes give you a little bit of a more of a margin of error because of what they can do in the passing game than Lamar does in terms of coming from behind. Yeah. Uh, what is it, you know, the Ravens have fallen short in the playoffs three straight years. So you, what is it that they have to do to kind of get over that proverbial hump and, and get to the level, you know, they've lost three straight years to the Chiefs in the regular season. You know, what do they have to do in terms of their style of play or, or whatever it is to get to that level? where they can beat the Chiefs, where they can win more games in the playoffs. Well, so I think we've talked about the offensive part of it a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's pretty clear. We talked about the offensive part, and I think you guys know how I feel there. I think defensively, they haven't played all that well against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's the part. I mean, they played very well against the Buffalo Bills and that passing attack and Josh Allen for the most part. I think it might be a situation where, you know, a guy like Wink Martindale has to go against what he likes to do. I mean, he loves the pressure. He loves man-to-man. -man. The Chiefs have pretty much destroyed that. If, if you watched, the Bucks played more too deep safety than they had mm -hmm. all year. They blitzed as little as they had all year. I guess the answer, Ryan, is – they got to be more willing to change what they do defensively. But I think what Wink Martindale would say is you can only do that if your front four can get there. You know, mm -hmm. your front four has to be able to get there. And so maybe they need to play the Chiefs when all their starting offensive linemen are hurt. <laughs> you know, like that that would certainly that help. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that I think is uh I think that I think that's I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it that they need – I'm not sure that their edge rushers are as good as they need them to be. And really just their, their four-man pass rush in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as good as it would need to be to play that style against the Chiefs and be able to win. Well, they have a lot of questions at edge rusher now this offseason. I mean, because Matthew Judon is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Yannick Ngakwe, also unrestricted free agent. Tyus Bowser – unrestricted free agent right so you know it's it's interesting because you say you know i agree with you like you need to be able to pass rush the chiefs without having a blitz constantly so you can kind of limit that big play to tyreek and all that stuff take away the sidelines like the bucks did but you also have to get there so if you lose those guys 
Yannick or Judon, are you getting better at the pass rush? But if you keep them, are they good enough to beat the Chiefs? It's kind of a, what would, you know, let's let's give you Eric DaCosta's job here for the next five minutes, right? And what would you do at outside linebacker? Boy, it's tough. Um, I think I'd let these guys hit the market. Mm. I don't know that they're going to get what they think they're going to get. With the salary cap going down about 30 to $40 million from where teams thought it would be. Right. I don't know that Matthew Judon's going to have the offers that I think he thinks he's going to have. Um, I'm not sure about Ngakwe either. I, I, I feel like I would let him hit the market, and I would feel good about the fact that I could get one of them back at something that's reasonable. Um, you know, they're going to get paid a lot of money, but <laughs> somewhat reasonable. I guess I would also need to know, like, how they feel about Jalen Ferguson – you know, how they feel about the guys in this year's draft that they might be able to get. Because mm-hmm. um, those are key equations. But let's put it this way. If they lose both Judon and Ngakwe, then they're not going to be able to get there with a four-man rush. <laughs> and they're going to have to blitz a lot and against a team like the Chiefs. And it's probably not going to go real well. Unless, you know, their corners have not shown that they can really hang with – the receivers for the for the rate for the Chiefs, as good as they are, they haven't really stepped up in those games um, like they've needed them to. And I think that they've felt good about those guys. They feel like they could, and then they've gotten into those games the last few years, and it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ross, I got a I got a really important question here for you. One of my favorite things that you do um, in most years, normal years, uh, is you you are a big fan of the press box spread. You know what? What kind of food is in the press box? Man, and after you always my tweet own it heart. out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you typically, I think, are down on the field for most games on the sidelines. So you may miss out. My, I love the first quarter nachos that we have at MT Bank Stadium. So I don't know if you ever get the first quarter nachos, or if you're down there, you've missed that opportunity. But what? Where does the MT Bank press box food rank uh, in your mind? So this is a little bit of a touchy subject. <laughs> oh no! No 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 no. M&T Bank has always been top five. Ooh. Yes. Game Ravens always been top five. They usually have multiple entree options. They usually have something different before the game than they do at halftime. Mm-hmm. They have the candy bars at the end, which mm. is clutch and huge. <laughs> they have Coke Zero. I, I'm a big fan of M&T Bank Stadium. However, last year in the divisional round, they didn't have the crab cakes. Ooh. Ooh. We didn't break out they, the crab cakes for the playoffs? They were saving them, I believe, Ooh. for the conference championship game. Wow. And <laughs> you'll never, I, I think that mindset seeped throughout the entire organization. <laughs> and that's why they lost that game. Everybody thought they were going to beat the Titans. Everybody thought it was going to be the AFC championship game, Ravens, Chiefs in Baltimore the next weekend. I wanted that. I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I live an hour and five minutes from M&T Bank. I didn't want to have to fly to San Francisco for the NFC Championship game. <laughs> I wanted to drive an hour from my house to Baltimore. <laughs> so, um, anyway, needless to say, it's very, very good. Very good. Mm. I just, I think in the playoffs, <laughs> you got to bring out your big guns every game. You got to bring out the mm. crab cake 
every game. That's what people want. I think they should have it every week, to be honest with you, because for the away for the away team people, like that's what they want. They want crab cakes when they, they come want the Baltimore football. crab but, cakes, crab cakes but, and football. Yes, but they honestly, and I got <laughs> and I got to run, guys. But um, they, uh, I, I really, they, they're top five. They, they, it's it's legit. I'm happy when I'm going to Baltimore, not just because it's an hour from my house. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, Ross. Hey, my guys, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Let me just say this in all sincerity for the listeners. Um, two things. Number one, yes, please check out my social at Ross Tucker NFL and the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. But I've said this for a while. Top to bottom, Ravens are a top two or three organization in the NFL. So I know the owner. I've spoken with him. I've seen the facilities, the public relations staff, the – uh, the front office, DaCosta and those guys, Ozzie Newsome, the coaching staff. Like, I hope Ravens fans realize legitimately top two or three organization in the NFL. I've always said to my wife, like, the Ravens are one of the few teams that if they called, I would really, really listen just because of the respect I have for how they go about their business in every facet of the operation. They are fantastic. Awesome. Well, you are too. Thank Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it, man. All right. Take care, guys. This season, when you trade up to Ram Trucks, you're getting power, luxury, and technology like you never imagined. You don't become the back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year for nothing. And with the Ram 1500, you can get a lot of everything. Rear legroom, a reconfigurable center console. It's all available now. Plus, you get a lot more storage. Or you could also trade up to the Ram 3500 and get 410 standard horsepower in a gas engine. For these great deals and to find out more, Go to ram.com today. All right, so great stuff from Ross. Um, he's got – I really enjoy his analysis. always have. I've been a fan for him. First time to get him on the podcast, so I thought that was great. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to think the Ravens are going to get into the Super Bowl next year. So when we get to the Super Bowl next <laughs> year, we're going to have to call Ross up and pull up the podcast and say, you didn't think we could get it done. Use that as some motivation. That's right. Well, after Lamar goes 10 for 10 on those layups. You know, it's just a, yeah, it's exactly. just a layup. Just it's a layup warm-up drill for Lamar <laughs> next year. <laughs> layup line, putting up huge numbers, three touchdowns in the first half. That's what we're expecting. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of validity to what he's saying. I will say, you know, I didn't want to interrupt him, but Lamar would have hit Hollywood in the end zone if it weren't for mm-hmm. the guy. Like, he had two guys bearing down on him immediately. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I don't put that too much on Lamar I put that on that one on the O-line but you know I I do agree with them I go back and forth on the offensive line and the amount of need there you know because the Ravens have been building this young line and they've gotten they've like gotten pretty good line play the past couple years with these like undrafted fourth round you know develop these late round day three picks day two picks and like that formula has worked pretty well do they have the best line in the league no but like the past three years, I think you'd say that they probably had a top five, seven line. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know, like it, it. And how much stock do you really put into the the high snaps? Like, is that is is the trouble that McCarry had in Buffalo enough for him to lose the starting job that he was playing pretty well in? Like, is that enough? One game and a couple bad snaps. And he didn't play well outside of the bad snaps. It wasn't just those, those, but like, right. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. Yeah, I understand that. I think that's a legitimate point. Um, I think that if you can get the, I, I'm 
people will get tired of me using the analogy of the Matt Burke style center. If you can get a quality veteran who you can get for an affordable price, who's been a, a starter for the last eight years, then I think that that would be a worthwhile move. I, I do think there's two mm-hmm. things on that, though. He, Ross pointed out, and I thought it was a good point, that playing offensive line in Baltimore has its advantages. You get to run the ball a lot. You're not in a pass-blocking situation a ton. Offensive linemen love it. Those guys love it. How many times did you hear Marshall yeah. Yonda come over to the sidelines when he was playing to say, run the ball, run behind me, You know, because these guys love running the football. And so I think it's a favorable line to play on. Um, so it's kind of like the opposite of the wide receiver situation. Yeah, it is. It you is. Know, I think that's your a good sales point. pitch to wide receivers is a little tougher, but to offensive linemen, all right, I'll go play in Baltimore. Right. So like, while I do agree that the offensive line has held up pretty well, and obviously it's all, when you're talking about the off season, you're talking about taking the next step. You, you, you look at everything and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you get, go down this path of thinking that everything needs to be overhauled and changed. And it's like, wait, 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 the team, right. the team, <laughs> still was one of the four best teams in the AFC and has scored more points than anybody in the league over the past couple of years. So, like, let's keep all of that in perspective. However, if we're having a conversation about where to improve, we're talking about Lamar getting better, we're talking about receivers getting better, all of it, then I think it's fair to 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 look at that offensive line. To me, if you can get an interior offensive lineman, I keep saying it, um, that is, is, a, is a move worth making. So uh, we're going to take the quick Crown Royal water break. Crown Royal wants to remind you to stay hydrated, stay royal, Crown Royal Canadian Whiskey. Always got to work on that water break before the uh, show is over. Um, what do you make it just about the— I'd the, have some water breaks during the Super Bowl. Yeah, you, you needed a few extra water breaks? Well, you had the extra off day, the vacation oh, come, day built well, in. It's a, come on, yeah, it's the Super Bowl. Of course you need a couple <laughs> water breaks. Come on. Come on. Yeah, the By the, was that Super Bowl? Breaks. Can we just talk about the Super Bowl a little bit? Sure. Because, I mean, we are—this is the first podcast after the Super Bowl— was that not the most boring Super Bowl you've ever watched? Holy cow. Well, oh. it was boring, but uh, the Rams-Patriots defensive, what was that, that was 13-10 was a snooze fest. At least this one had a little. or something. Yeah, something Yeah, like. whatever that was. Yeah. At least this one had, I don't know. The thing that was going on with this one is you were just waiting for the, the Chiefs' 14-point outburst in three minutes. It never happened, right. but you felt like right. it was going to be there. Right. So you're like, well, this is – I know it's a, I don't know, 17-point game, but this is going to turn in an instant, and it just never did. Right. So right. I, I do – The I, biggest play of the game was the guy who ran – the streaker. That was the biggest play of the game. <laughs> you made it all the way down the field. Was that you? Was that it you? It was not me. No, not he was me. too athletic. He was too athletic for you. Too athletic. <laughs> Yeah, I saw him shake off a security guard. No way, you would have gotten tackled at the fifty. <laughs> look, look, I do, I do really believe that the Super Bowl. When I watched it, it it goes back to what we were kind of talking with Ross about, which is, I know that the Ravens may have a thin margin for error in some of those games, but as I watched that, I'm like, the Chiefs aren't unbeatable. If the Ravens can get can get pressure on him on on Mahomes, if they can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage. They can win that game. They can win that game. And I, that's mm-hmm. how I felt watching that. Well, I'm, I would have been really interested to see how they would have defended that offense differently a second time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill went off against the Bucks in their first meeting in the regular season. Yep. They went off. I mean, yeah, Tyreek Hill was doing backflips. Four touchdowns. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Literally, and he was doing backflips into the end zone. <laughs> Yes, and then they. I remember because I went up against him in fantasy football that week, <laughs> um, and so I mean they changed completely what they did 
when they had the rematch in the Super Bowl, and and it was you know a different ball game. So I would be interested to see. And John Harbaugh kind of referenced it in his season-ending press conference. He said, you know, Wink and I were talking all year about how we would do that differently and how we would adjust. And uh, I just wish, I mean, two years running, right, that we wish we got that rematch in the playoffs and how would that have played out? There's a lot of what-ifs. Yeah, yeah. It is it is one of the shames of the last two seasons is that that game, which I think would be such a fantastic game, we haven't got to see. Um so and then real quick, the other thing for the Ravens is I, I really love what they've done on the assistant coaching staff side um, this offseason. I, I really like the additions of T. Martin, Keith Williams uh, to head up the receiver coach and then the pass game specialist. I just think both those guys, getting guys who have worked with premier receivers. You're talking about Tyreek Hill. Uh, Devontae Adams is another guy Keith Williams has worked with. Um, and then T. Martin has been in the college mm-hmm. ranks, offensive coordinator, then at Tennessee. Um, work with Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, we're talking about some big-time wide receivers here, and I just really am excited about what they can can add to this equation. Yeah, I think the Ravens, I think some new voices in that room, uh, you know, working on some some new pass concepts, you know, uh, gosh, we talked for a long time, or pundits talked about Greg Roman and his passing schemes and all that, which I thought was totally overblown. But at the same time, I do think, like, it's a good thing to have some fresh perspectives, some new eyes on it and, and, you know, bring in some different ideas. I think that's a good move for the Ravens. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'll use, I'll use this before we wrap up. I do want to tease this. I talked to Robert Griffin, the third today, uh, just had a phone interview with him for a story. And I talked to him about where he sees what he sees as the next step for Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I won't give away too much cause I'll, I'll just use this as a little teaser. But I, I think that he's kind of on the Russ Tucker, Russ Tucker uh, mentality with Lamar and, and kind of being a little bit more consistent in terms of seeing what other teams are trying to do against them. So it was an All interesting right. conversation. Well, we're going to tee that up for next week, huh? Or at some point. When That's are we, right. When are we going to get this? When, that, when that, are... that's, the story story's coming out on Sunday. It's, it's coming out over the weekend. I think it's Saturday or Sunday. All right. I don't know. I'm on vacation, Garrett. I'll write the story <laughs> when I get to it. All right? I'm on vacay. <laughs> well, we'll follow up with that conversation next week. As always, you guys can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. 